Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. And for you, if you're here, maybe you're visiting, maybe it's summertime, maybe you came with a friend, maybe church is like a new experience for you, and this is kind of like a, a kind of a new, a new step, and you took the courage to be here. You know, I, I just want to say, sometimes just stepping into a church and visiting a church can be like overwhelming or hard, and you know, I, I don't know if you think about the first time you had to take a step of faith and be like, I'm going to go visit a church. Uh, it can feel overwhelming. So if you're here, we're happy that you're here, and maybe you're watching online and you're still not ready. You're still not ready to just take that step. I promise you, the people that I'm looking at right now are super friendly. All of them don't look friendly, but they are. But maybe you know someone who's not ready to take that step to be in church. And, and maybe just sharing our online, our YouTube link would help them just begin to explore faith or begin to explore the Bible or explore Jesus. We want to encourage you to use those tools. But this morning, I'm really, really excited because we're starting a series that's really going to take us through the summer. Some of you know, summer here goes by pretty fast. Uh, you know, we got two months together, and then it's snowing. I, I think that's how it works. Uh, but over the next few weeks, we're going to take some time, and we're going to grow together. And we're going to look at something that for some of you is very familiar, and for some of you might be brand new. And so we're going to do something which is kind of take a step back into the Old Testament and learn about these ancient commandments called the Ten Commandments. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a minute, but because when we hear the word commandment, it, it kind of brings up weird feelings. I don't know, everybody has weird feelings. But, but I want to begin by telling you something that often happens around this time, at least it happens to me. My phone starts to remind me of all the amazing memories that have taken place over the past few years. Any of you have like cheesy Facebook memory app or a device that brings back all these memories? Any of you? Yeah, and it's really interesting. A few years ago, devices started to think about how can we get people to stay on their phone longer? It doesn't work with us, but it works on other people. And, and so we thought, let's kind of pick their favorite memories and bring them back to their attention so that they would always kind of like keep clicking their phone and share their memories. And the whole team that works on this, at least at Facebook, they had to figure out which memories will people like versus which memories will they not like. You ever wonder how they pick which memories they're going to share with you? Out of all your memories, you know? They don't pick anything negative, and some of you maybe don't even post anything negative. It's all like the best thing of the whole year, right? Nobody's memory is like, oh, remember when your dog died? Let's remind you of that. Nobody. Some of you already, you're getting, you're getting tense. That oftentimes we live in a culture that wants us to remember all the good things, all the special things, all the things that are beautiful, and yet we realize that we're not shaped by just beautiful, good things. There are things in our memory, there are things in our lives that are painful, That, are, that, that remind us of failure, that remind us of disobedience, that remind us of sadness. There's so many things that are there. And those things God uses just as much as he uses beautiful things that are part of our wonderful good memories. 
And so over the next few weeks together, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is as we learn together, I want to remind you that the Bible is this wonderful book inspired by God to not just give us the good memories. The Bible also teaches us about the negative, painful things in the story of God so that we would not make the same mistakes. So that we would learn and grow and say, God, thank you for reminding us that doing that would be dangerous. Doing that would be wrong. Doing that would hurt us. And we're going to get a chance to look at this through the seasons of commandments. And as a parent, I think about this. I try this with my kids, right? I try to remind them, hey, hey, just be careful if you do that or if you run in the street or if you play too close to this. Or we we want to just help them to grow. Not that we can be helicopter parents and our kids are never going to get hurt. That's not helpful, right? But to just remind them that sometimes they can learn from our mistakes. And in the Bible, there's this wonderful section of the Bible, which is a section of the Old Testament that really is the focus of something that we're going to look at. And, and I want to begin this morning by giving you a challenge. I said this to our leaders earlier. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Maybe you're watching online. I want to give you a summer challenge. Some of you maybe have summer challenges. You know, some of you are like getaway on vacation somewhere exotic. Any of you? Summer challenge? Some of you are like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the summer. Never works, but you try. Some of you have something you want to do in the summer. I want to add and give you a summer challenge. This summer, would you maybe consider over the next two months reading the book of Exodus? The book of Exodus is an important book in the Bible where the story of the Ten Commandments are kind of embedded right in the middle of the book of Exodus. And I actually have a slide for you just to give you kind of the breakdown of two kind of snapshots of the book of Exodus if you read it. Make it really easy for you. Now, the first 19 chapters are the story of Moses, his birth, his calling. Some of you know some of this, you know. And then that the people of God are slaves in Egypt. And the second part of Exodus is how God does, miraculously, does some miraculous things and, and leads them out of slavery. And out of this season of setting them free, he begins to form, form them into his people. And so maybe you've never read the Old Testament. And maybe, you know, like, like me, I, I always find like reading the Old Testament is hard. Like I, don't, I can't even say people's names. And the, so I don't know. Where is this place? You ever do this? You read the Old Testament, you're like, does this place really exist? Where is this? You know, and so this is an easy way to just go back to the Old Testament. You don't have to read all the Old Testament. I don't want to panic. But just read the book of Exodus. And if you do that, this series will get easier to understand because we're going to go back to the book of Exodus consistently to help you understand why the Ten Commandments are so special. The other reason I think it's important to at times have a focused way that we learn to read the Bible, okay? Nobody's going to encourage you to read your Bible. Your Facebook memories are not going to say, hey, remember when you decided you're going to read your Bible? They won't be there, trust me, right? It's like one of the reasons is we live in a culture where for many people, the Bible is like not only irrelevant, but it seems like barbaric and a joke. It's like, uh, you know, even when I thought about just the Ten Commandments, I was thinking about the Ten Commandments, I was thinking about these are classic, you know, uh, many people, even atheists, know the Ten Commandments. I thought about all the jokes and the funny things people say about just the commandments. Some of you have shared this on your phones, so you might know them already. But here are two pictures of just like the Ten Commandments and how silly they sound. Right? Maybe you saw this one when Moses brought, down the, tab- uh, brought the tablets down from the mountain. <laughs> all right. Moses meets Steve. He's going to upgrade your tablets. <laughs> There's hundreds of these funny memes and pictures of all the stuff in the Old Testament. I think it's a great reminder that many people in our culture see the Bible like this. They see it as like funny jokes, things people used to believe in. It was, it was good for people back then, you know, they used to wear sandals, they didn't have the internet, whatever. You know, but we're past that. And we can forget that when we don't read the Bible and are growing in understanding the Bible, the way our culture understands the story of our faith becomes the way we start to kind of think about it. 
the way our kids start to think about it. And then after a while, the whole Bible is kind of irrelevant until you have a problem. And when you have a problem, you're going to quickly look at the back of the Bible and say, what do I do with lying? What do I do when my kids are disobedient? No, the Bible is a book we enter, and that book reads us. And it shapes us. And it stretches us. So we're going to encourage you with us to begin to learn to go through this series by just reading through the book of Exodus. Really, really simple. Okay, the other thing we did in this series is we put two words in the slide for the name for the series that you rarely see together. The word freedom and the word guidelines. Okay, you rarely see freedom with guidelines or commandments. or You never see those words together. In our culture, we have been taught that freedom is to do what we want. Freedom equals no guidelines. If you don't believe me, just have kids. Right? You just tell them, like, you can do these things, but you can't go there. What do you mean? I hate this family. I thought you loved me. Whatever. My kids say that. That's because they don't like their mother. But besides that. (laughs) Don't tell her. Love you, hon. Okay, she'll watch later. (laughs) But it's like, you know, we we think about freedom and guidelines or freedom and commandment. That doesn't really work. And so this series is going to teach us how to understand the idea of freedom in a biblical way, not in just the way the culture talks about freedom. Because the word freedom gets used for everything. And so it gives us a chance to read the Bible and to understand freedom in the right way, the way the Bible shapes freedom. And so if you have your Bible, you might want to open up to the Exodus, put a little marker there and say, okay, over the next few weeks, I'm going to try to read some of this if you're online. But I want to begin by telling you that the commandments only make sense when I tell you about a memory that everybody in the Bible has. Everybody in the Bible, their phone is always going to bring up this memory as an important memory. Everybody. And that's when they were slaves in Egypt. This is the memory everybody has. This is Jesus growing up as a small boy where Mary and Joseph would have said, Jesus, it's time for the lesson today. And he would have been like, the Exodus? Yes. Everybody would have went back to this memory. So to understand the commandments, you kind of have to have that memory. And I don't want to assume that people know it. So I want to tell you about this memory and how important it is to understand this moment in the book of Exodus. At the beginning of the book of Exodus, we have this this moment where the people of God are slaves in Egypt. And if you read the book of Exodus, you'll notice that they're slaves because God has blessed them. I don't know if you've ever thought about blessings in that way. We think of blessings as always making our life better. The blessing of God's provision on the people, the fact that God is blessing them with children and the blessings of of new life and a new generation triggers in the Egyptians a concern. They're like, there's too many Jewish boys here. Like, there's too many. The Egyptians are outpacing us. They're outgrowing us. What does this mean, the blessing of, of kids? And out of this blessing comes a moment and a season of curse where the Egyptians decide that they're gonna start killing boys. They're gonna start slowing down this pace of this blessing of their God, the Egyptians are still, who are these Egyptian people? They're just good slaves. And the story of Egypt is a profound moment of a confrontation that you read about in the book of Exodus. And some of you know this, that at one point, God stirs in Moses a time for him to go and be obedient and to go back to Egypt. Moses is older in age, if you read the story. He had all the excuses that you would make, all the excuses that you're tired, your back hurts, You've done your time. All the excuses you've heard in church, Moses would have tried. And God says to Moses, you're going to go now. And when you read the the beginning of the book of Exodus, I want to read just the beginning before we talk about the commandments. Because remember, this is the memory. It says this, it's profound. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Just stop for a minute. It's good news to have a God that is concerned about our suffering. God is concerned about your suffering. God is concerned about moments when you by yourself have no words to express the things you feel. And the beginning of Exodus is God telling Moses and telling us that I am a God who hears and watches and is concerned when I see suffering. If you watch the news, if you look at something on your phone, you hear what's happening in the Ukraine and all around the world, and you see suffering, it bothers you. Can we just commit that when it bothers us, we can say, we have a God and this bothers him too. This is our God. Now what bothers us is how God doesn't just fix the suffering the way we want him to fix it. Kill the people who are causing the suffering. God's like, that's not how this works. Magically make it all go away. That's not how this works. Right, that bothers us as well. But, uh, but for some of you, maybe this series will begin with you just remembering the God we pray to, the God we sing to, the God we are learning about is a God who hears and cares when we suffer. This is going to be so important to learn because we're going to have to teach this to our kids as well and to our grandchildren, that the God that we love cares when people suffer. And because God cares about it, we should care about it. It should bother us. We should, so we should look for solutions. We should look to step into moments when we see people suffer. And in this moment, I think we have God that's going to send Moses, and Moses is like, okay, I'm going to go. And this is so important. I'm not going to get into this, but if you read and you do the summer challenge, you know that there's all these plagues that happen, that God uses every one of these moments to begin to slowly free his people from being slaves in Egypt, right? We love that part because it's like flashy. The movies are made about all that. We're like, oh, it's so great. And the rest of it, it's like, forget it. I'm, I'm done with the rest. It gets boring. But the plagues are done. We're out of, like, Egypt. The people are like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like, God really set us free. And one of the things I want you to remember is that the moments of freedom, the exodus, it's called the exodus, right, because they exit, there's this exodus moment. That moment is not only that God is setting his people free, is that God is telling his people that Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, was a liar. That in Egypt, Pharaoh was seen as God, as the only great God and the only one people should live their lives to worship. And Pharaoh knows that people are meant to be used. People exist for those in power to use them. That's what makes us God. Pharaoh, you watch all the movies of Pharaoh. You're like, I don't know about you, but you have that moment in your heart of, of you know, brokenness, and you're like, to be Pharaoh just for a day. Just for a day. This is the power. You walk in a room and people fall on the floor. I'm like, come on. I can't even get my kids to clean their room. Like, I could, use, I could use some of that. You watch this and Pharaoh's like, no, no. Imagine Moses saying that the God who sent me here wants these people not to use them, but because he loves them. Do you understand what, what a mind-blowing idea that what kind of God needs to love people? Gods use people. Gods control people. Gods remind everybody that the people exist for the sake of the gods. And Moses is like, not this God. Not this God. This God has heard the suffering of his people. And he wants them free so he could show them how much he loves them. This is the beginning of the book of Exodus. You're not going to get any of that in the movie, trust me. 
But you need to feel that in the story. You need to feel the moment that the people are like, okay, there's a God that loves us. This is great, okay? And now God has set them free. And what's important, so important, is that their physical freedom is not enough until they're spiritually free. Okay, just remember that. I, I was thinking for a name for the sermon. I'm like, your, your physical freedom, your freedom is not enough if it's just physically removed from Egypt and now in the wilderness. In the wilderness is where God starts to teach them what it means that their physical freedom has now prepared them for their spiritual freedom. And that freedom is going to happen as God forms them as his people. See, the commandments in the Bible are not just rules to obey. They're not just commands to, like, make sure don't do bad things or you're going to get in trouble. They're not just even great to run a society. Some people thought, let's just live society based on the Ten Commandments. You can use them for that. But if you're taking notes, you need to remember this. The commandments were how God formed his people to be his worshiping community. They were set free, and now they're going to be formed as his people. And that formation is going to happen, when you read Exodus chapter 20 and on, you'll see, by not only commandments that we're going to look at, but by certain guidelines, certain ceremonial rules, certain ethnic practices. And when you read those parts, you're going to get bored. You're going to quickly be like, hmm, I wonder who's on Instagram. Okay, you're going to do that. So fight the challenge to not do that. Just be like, this is important for me to understand what God was teaching his people in that time. Make sense so far? They're in the wilderness, and now God says, Moses, come to the mountain. I have some commandments for you. Not that way. Moses is kind of scared. <laughs> he goes, and we get the first commandment that I want to look at together this morning. This is what we're told. Pretty profound. And God spoke all these words, and he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And here it is. You shall have no other gods before this is it. Now, if you read some rabbis and some scholars, they will link this commandment to the, the words that come after. We wanted to separate it for you, but, you know, you can do as you please. And as you look at the commandments, you'll notice some patterns that we'll look at throughout the series. Some of the earliest commandments are really about God's relationship with his people. Second parts of the commandments are God, people's relationship with each other. That might help you as well. But as you begin, you have God saying to his people, hey, hey I am the one who set you free. You shall have no other gods besides me. None. This would have been the strangest thing for the people to hear in the Bible. So strange. Because having been in Egypt for hundreds of years, they know that it's very common to have many gods. They're like, what do you mean just one God? You sure? Like, Moses, go back and ask God again. Like, is this really what he said? Like, we were in Egypt and there's like a lot of gods like Pharaoh and all these other gods. And I think this is so important for us because we read this like so fast and we're like, oh yeah, we should do this. It's not realizing that the people would have been like, just one God. Yes. Only one God that loves you like I love you. There's only one God that has called you to be his people and to worship him with your life. Only one God. How many? Only one. There's only one God. This is so hard for us to understand because we live in a world, when we think about that, we're like, what does it mean to worship one God? What does it mean that God, you set us free to now tell us not to do certain things? So weird. All of this is so strange. Wait, let me get this straight, God. You've set us free to now tell us we can only worship you. Yep. That's what we're going to do. And I want you to understand how important this is because understanding worshiping God is so hard for us to understand. 
Because nobody is going to come to your house and see a figurine of many gods that you worship, but we know that we are prone in our hearts to worship many gods. And those gods might not have names like the Egyptian gods, but they shape how we dream. They shape our greatest imagination. They shape our greatest fears. They shape our greatest vision of success. They shape the greatest way we define success for our kids. All of those are gods in our culture. You want to know one of the most common gods that's appeared in our culture that I've seen consistently in church? That we are prone and trained to, tr to want to worship a new experience every week, a new place to travel. And you, every commercial you watch is about, you're going to miss out on this experience? You're going to miss out on this? Come on. You're in a, you need to experience a lot of things. Like We have hashtags for stuff like this. We, we're, we're torn when we see people experiencing all these things, and, and we only have one experience. I remember one time, I was talking to somebody who's young adults. I worked on a university campus for years. And I was talking about being married to my wife. And I'll never forget the conversation with this young, young man. He said, so let me get this straight. You're just going to have one wife for your whole life? He said that to me. And I thought it was a joke. And I'm like, they're serious. And I realized that's exactly how our culture works. That they train us to think that believing in God is that you're going to miss out on all those other great things that the world has. You're going to miss out on two wives and three wives. You're going to miss out on that, really? Just one God? You're going to miss out on all the other blessings that are out there? This is such an interesting way that this seeps into our hearts. And then we start to believe that the God that we love is a God that doesn't want you to be happy. So know what he's done? He's given you commandments to make you sad every day of your life. You're, you're laughing. But many parents and many grandparents teach this. The next generation hears about Christianity not as good news, but as all the things you're going to miss. When you say yes to this one God, oh my goodness, one God, really. What is it going to take for us to believe that God in the Bible tells us that we can only have one God because we are made to only worship one thing at a time? Jesus says this when he teaches in the New Testament. Jesus will say, you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other, so decide who you're going to worship. And you know what? For the longest time, I didn't believe Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, I could do this. I'm going to try. I'm going to worship a lot of things. God on Sunday, other things I like on the week. When I have a problem, I'll come back to God. And I'm going to worship all the other things my, the world tells me that I should put my value in, put my trust in, commit my money to. I'm going to worship all those things, and I'm going to try. And Jesus is like, really? You're going to try that? And for years, I tried it. Some of you are still trying it. Some of you have forgotten that we are made to worship one God. We're made that way. It's, I thought about this of how I'm explaining it. It's like asking you as a parent to love another child like your child. Can you do that? Try. I'm going to bring my kids to your house and you love my kids the way you love your kids. You'll be like, I don't think I can. It's like something in me. I just can't. How many of you have pets who think they're your kids? Any of you? You can leave now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like you, you, you have something that you love and you're like, I can only love you special. There's only one. Like, you have my heart. Jesus was trying to get to that as it relates to your spiritual life. It's the same way. And the first commandment is God saying to the people, everything you heard in Egypt about God is not the way you are going to be my people. There's going to be all kinds of other options for the kind of people you're going to want to be. And if you read the book of Exodus, you will see the times when the people are like, if only we could go back to Egypt. Like, I know they had a lot of gods, but it felt better there. And God's like, one God. 
and you're going to worship me alone. This week, can I encourage you to pay attention? Every time in your heart, you're drawn to define who you are by all the other things the world says you should worship. If only you had that, if only you had that, you're missing out on that. When we read the Bible this way, God becomes someone who wants us to be sad versus someone who wants us to be free. But the commandments are God saying, this is how you will experience my freedom. When you understand that I've set you apart now physically to form you into my people. You're created to only worship one God. Decide what it's going to be. In a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to come to communion. And I'm going to invite you to come and confess the other gods that appear in your life and in my life. That I long, if only that, if only this, if only my identity, if God's... No, 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 no. My life has to be centered on one God. And you can see this in every part of your life. At one point, Jesus will talk about this. I want to talk about this, this is important because, because we, we were Christians, we read the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments through the fact that Jesus has come. Or else the commandments, again, become rules that we have to follow so that God likes us. It's like, just follow these rules and then maybe you'll get to heaven if you break less than how many you... A lot of people have that view of the commandments. So I want you to remember right at the beginning of the series that the commandments for us are things that Jesus goes back to, not as rules that we follow to try to please God. They're God's parameters, guidelines, commands to help us how to, to teach us what it means to live as free people. This is what Jesus is going to say at one point, and it's pretty profound. He says this. He's having the disagreement with religious leaders, and he says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. How many of you have heard this before? Jesus say this. It's very easy to hear this and to not connect it that Jesus is aware of the Ten Commandments. He's aware that there's only one God and the people are to worship that God and the way you worship that God, the way you're, obey, you're obedient to that God is by doing this, by loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. How are you doing with that? You might have, be in a season in your life where you find it really hard to worship God with all your mind because you have doubts or questions. Or you might be in a season where your heart is torn by so many other things that you want and you're like, God, if you give me these things, then I'll worship you. And God's like, no, no, this is not how this works. But I want to tell you how important this is. That Jesus says that in order for us to love our neighbors as ourselves, we have to first commit to loving God as the only true God. So much is at stake for us to get this first commandment first. The blessings of our neighbors, the blessings of those in our community are based on us loving God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And this is one of the hardest things and most simple things all at the same time. Because only you know when things creep up in your heart that you want to make more important than God. Only you know. And you know what I do when that happens? I just tell myself, well, God will understand. Oh, we're saved by grace. It's all, God, God will forgive me. It's so easy to use the blessing of Jesus and the blessing of the cross and the blessing of the good news to then say, I don't have to do these things because I'm free now. And freedom in that context is to do whatever I want. And the commandments are like, no, no, you've been set free now to do and to be the people of God. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and I'm just going to encourage you to think about this. I'm going to encourage you to think about 
the world that we live in and how the most basic commandments in the Bible become the most challenging things we have to learn how to follow. That over the next few weeks, we're going to encourage you every week to pay attention to these commandments. And the first one begins with God saying, I set you free, and now you be those who live as those who are being formed by the God who set you free. You believe that God has the best intentions for your life? Do you believe that God wants to bless you and your kids more than you could ever bless your kids? Do you believe that? See, when you believe and understand that God is the God who loves us, not just the God who exists to use us or to draw us for other things, we then, we want to surrender to God. We want to be formed by the ways of God. We desire to grow in the ways of God. I'm going to tell you something that's probably the most important thing you're going to have to remember in this whole series. That the Ten Commandments are given to the people of God when they're still in the desert. These commandments, they would have heard and they would have looked at their lives and been like, how are we even going to, like, how are we going to even do this here? There's no other gods to even worship. This is so important. You, you have to get this that the commandments are given to the people before God can trust them with their blessing. You need, like, if you forget everything else I say, remember that the commandments are given to the people before they can be trusted with the blessing of the promised land. That they have to commit to being the people of God before they taste of the blessings of God. We live in a culture that flips everything upside down and says, first I want to experience God's blessing and then I'll decide if I'll follow Him. And then you'll read Exodus after chapter 1 and chapter 2 and you'll close your Bible and you'll go watch Netflix. That's what you'll do. Because the world has taught us to understand our lives in a totally different way. How can God help you? How can God bless you? And in that moment, you know what the world makes us? The world makes us consumers. You'll be so much happier if you consume another experience. I was talking to someone a few, a few weeks ago. You see that new Expedia commercial? I almost played it, but it makes me annoyed. You, nobody's going to say, did you get a thinner TV? Nobody's gonna, they're going to say, did you have more experiences and did you visit more places? See how sly that is? You're a consumer. You should want more experiences. And if you don't have those experiences, what are you missing out? Oh my goodness, that you would live this life and miss it out. The whole world is built on you and I being consumers first. And the Bible says, no, you are loved by God. And God cares about you and your value doesn't come by all the experiences you find and all the things you buy. You are loved because God has set you free. Over the past few weeks, I thought about this for my kids. I'm reading these commandments and I'm thinking, how do I share this with my kids? Can I give you like a secret that if your kids ever ask you, why are you a Christian? Why are we Christians? Would you just say to them, because God set us free. Because God set us free. Free from what? Free from all other things having our hearts. He set us free. And we are formed in that freedom when we come and we worship. And you know who learned that? Jesus, our Lord. This is what Luke tells us. That every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Every year. And many other times as well. You know what this meant, right? That he got a dose of the exodus. He got a dose of the commandments. He got a dose of a reminder that they were set free physically to now be set free spiritually. 
And when they trusted God with everything, they began to see the commands as the things that would shape them and form them. Guidelines to make sense of that freedom. Parameters of love to say live within these parameters. But the first begins with saying there's only one God. How many gods? One God. One God. In a world that says you're missing out. You're missing out if you don't have, you're missing. No, no, we're not missing out. It's one God. And we trust Him. See the difference? See the difference between saying I believe in God? I mean, I believe in God, but do you trust Him? The commandments move us from saying I believe in God to saying we trust God. We trust what God said because even while we're in the desert, we will take these commands seriously. And we will abide by them and live by them. As we come to the communion table, I want to remind you that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he talked about the Exodus. He talked about the freedom that God had given his people through the servant Moses. And the people would have been like, Jesus, we know this. We heard it before. Speed it up. It's getting hot. Hurry up. And he's like, no, no, no. We can't speed it up because tonight the story changes forever. I'm about to do what Moses himself could not do for you. I'm at, like, what, you mean you're greater than Moses? I am. I'm about to do something that's going to make all of the story of Israel make sense to you because of the freedom that I'm about to purchase with my life. So in a few minutes, I'm going to encourage you to come up. And I want you to think about how easy it is for us to not even do the first commandment in a world that says, worship other things, serve other things, want other things more than God. And that God would stir you to confess that before we come to the table together. As we prepare for communion together, as Pastor Ram said, the table, the communion table, is the place we remember together that God loved us so much that he suffered for us to set us free. And he gave us, Jesus gave us this practice to practice together as a way to be formed together, to live in to that freedom. And uh, so in a moment, we're going to invite you to come up. If you're new here, and maybe this is just, this all sounds kind of weird and this is just a new experience for you. Or uh, maybe you just, you're at a point yet where you're just not ready, you haven't been baptized and you're just trying to make sense of all of this. We just want to invite you just to, to know there's no pressure to come up. In fact, we just encourage you to just stay at your seat. We're just really glad that you're here with us. Uh, but for those who are ready, I'm going to just invite you um, as you come up, just to come up, kind of go outside in. Uh, the ushers will kind of lead us to come up as you're ready. And uh, just you can come up and take a cup and sit back down. And just as you're sitting, as Pastor Don mentioned, we just invite you really maybe just to sit and to just ask God for his grace to help you to keep Jesus at the center. That you would just ask him for the grace to be able to do that and to just learn in a deeper way what it means that as we keep him at the center, we live into his free freedom and experience his blessings anyways. And so um, just as you come up, the band will play in the background. And so just invite you to come up as you feel led. Will you 
You know, oftentimes I think about how our culture has no category for death. You live in a world where everything's positive. Don't say anything negative. And yet one of the most sacred things that Jesus left us requires that we talk about dying. It's pretty profound. Not only that, Jesus says every time you think about this moment and every time you do this, 
I want you to remember this in a very specific way. You ever think about how people are going to remember you when you die? What are they going to say about you when you die? Years ago, I did a funeral for a family. And family was fighting and arguing. And I sat down with the kids. I had never met the dad. And I said to the kids, can you just tell me some things about your dad? Go to one of them. Nothing. Went to the next one. Anything positive I could use? Nothing. Last one. Anything about your dad? I was like trying to make up a memory for this person's funeral. How profound that Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how to define this moment forever. You're not going to have to make this up. It's going to be clear. You're going to break bread and think of the exodus. And from this day forward, it's going to be about how I set you free. Because the people of God in Egypt were physically set free. But spiritually, they never understood how to live in the fullness of being the people of God. That's why today, we're not Jewish. We're Christians. Because Jesus does something for us that helps us live in the truth and the promise of these commandments. Jesus, by the power of the cross, helps us to be people who are shaped by these commandments in a brand new way. So as we take the cup and the bread this morning, I'm going to ask you to recommit in your heart to remember that there's how many gods that we worship? One God. One God. And He has our heart, and we believe Jesus when Jesus said, you cannot worship two masters. We believe Him. You cannot worship two gods. Worship one God. He's the one who set us free. I'm going to read the passages that we have in the New Testament that help us to remember the sacred gift of God's grace for us in this meal. Maybe you can open up your cups now so it doesn't get all crackly after. It's the COVID problem. (laughs) You'll see it on the screen, 1 Corinthians. Paul tells the earliest Christians, on the night when he was betrayed, The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Before you take it, before you take it. What we miss just as we read this is that Jesus now is giving it to his disciples. He's handing it to them. And they have to understand that the freedom that Jesus is about to accomplish on the cross is something they could have never done in their own strength. Symbolically, I wish I could give each one of you a piece of this. Stare you in the eyes and give it to you and say, Jesus, our Lord, has set us free. So as you take the wafer, Just picture Jesus giving it to you and saying, this is for you. Let's take it together.
And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take it together this morning. Maybe you need to talk to someone this morning before you leave. Maybe you need to pray with someone this morning before you go. Maybe you just need to be encouraged that God has the strength you need to make him one God in your life. We have people in our prayer space that would love to pray with you before you rush off. Maybe this is the week that you decide in a deeper way that you live in the freedom and you remind your kids and those around you that we love God because he's the only one who could set us free. He's the only one. That's why. That the exodus is forever a new beginning that begins with the people worshiping one God. This is the summer that we get a chance to look back on and say this is the summer. The memory that I want for this summer is to say that I prioritized God above everything else. And that has set me free and has formed me into a new person. So before we go, let's just stand as we pray. Jesus, we can't imagine what it would have been like for you to learn about the Passover, knowing that one day you would be the final sacrifice for each of us. We have no words except thank you. Thank you for reminding us that our God is not a God who wants to use us, but he's a God who loves us. And he loves us too much to leave us bound to sin and the things of this world. So we thank you for the scriptures and we thank you for the commandments and the guidelines that you have left us and the power of the Spirit and the grace that we need to live lives aligned to your way of life. I pray that as we go through the summer series, you would remind us that we can only worship one God and that you would teach us what it means to make you the only God every day. Not just that we would believe in you, but that we would trust you with our lives. I pray for those in this room and maybe watching who have not tasted of your freedom yet, who still hear commands as bondage and shame, that they would be set free of that that the commandments would be filled with joy and hope and a new season of exploring a new beginning that you have in store for them. Help us to get more serious than we ever have this summer about what it means to live as those who have really been set free. We pray all of these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, God bless everyone.
We love you. We look forward to seeing you. Don't forget to grab your kids. And if your kids ask you, why do we believe in God? Because he set us free. God bless everyone.